Coast to Coast AM, Connie Willis here. Fall is here. Can't believe it, but the trees are showing it. The leaves are falling. Beautiful. Just gorgeous out there. Absolutely gorgeous. Hope that you'll join me on my shows, uh, Blue Rock Talk, Connie After Dark. Check out my book, Win Any Lottery, and also the podcast, Connie Willis, the podcast. Check out ConnieWillis.com. You can find all that. At least sign up for the newsletter so you can learn more. That's at ConnieWillis.com. Talking with Anthony Sanchez, you can check him out at uh, Strange Lights Publishing. That's where you can find his books, Strange Lights publishing.com uh, also uh, UFO Nexus that's his latest book that we're talking about before that you know him well from UFO Highway and you can uh, learn just go to strangelightspublishing.com for both of those and also his uh, ghost hunter apps that he has he's a man that does all sorts of things and that's another one of them ghosthunterapps.com so let's go back and talk to Anthony. Anthony, so as we talk about UFOs in the news, one of the ones, of course, you know, we got to get to before Open Lines starts up. And I hope that you can stick around for us with Open Lines. Is that okay? You think you can Absolutely. hang through? Absolutely. Okay, excellent. We'd like to keep you there for at least a good hour because I know people want to talk to you. But I wanted to ask you about David Grush. Right. You, you know we had to go there. You know we had Absolutely. to go there. Yeah, so, so David Grush is probably the person that's really shaking up the entire UFO research field, not to mention the government, uh, the government's uh, own look into the UAP and UFO phenomena. So who is he? Okay, so he's a retired Air Force intelligence officer. He's a veteran of both uh, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and the National Reconnaissance Office. And this guy really was in the sick of it. He represented the NRO on the, on the UAP task force from 2019 to 2021, and subsequently he took on the role of co-lead for UAP analysis at the NGA from 2021 to 2022. And he was one of the three witnesses that testified on the July 26th uh, subcommittee hearing. Excuse me, my voice. Sorry about that. <clears throat> but centered around the testimony, what I perceived to be his primary primary concerns were, one, the recovery of non-human biological material from alleged UFO crash locations. Two, that there's a covert prolonged initiative to decode the technology of extraterrestrial crafts. And three, there are attempts by the government to employ what he calls administrative ter terrorism to muffle those who are trying to reveal the truth. Mm. Uh, speaking of which, if you look at the history of, Dave, of, of Kevin Day, who was part of the uh, 2004 USS, no, well, he was on the USS Princeton, but he was part of that, uh, that incident. Uh, I think it was in November, 2015. I can't, I can't recall it at the moment, but, the point is, with all of this data that's coming out, individuals like Kevin Day, who tried to report what they found, ended up facing a really terrible backlash. And it was unfair, you know, what they had to go through back then. But now, all of a sudden, a lot of the information became declassified. And it's justifying what they were saying years ago. 
and David Grush prevented, uh, presented a testimony which alluded to events like uh, Magenta Italy in 1933. He says that years before Roswell, there was a UFO cr crash that was retrieved, and uh, subsequently the, there was potential for reverse engineering and whatnot. So much information that is coming forth as a result of this testimony. But David Grush really stands out because his concerns are, are something that I really wrote, wrote a lot about in the book. Uh, again, you know, one of the most controversial aspects of ufology is what? It's always been the alleged recovery of non-human biological craft, metamaterials, alien bodies from crash sites. Um, was he able to provide evidence, physical evidence? No, he wasn't, but it, it's not something that we want to discount. I apologize. No, you take you take a breather. You 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 check your voice. You get you some water there. I get just as excited talking about this stuff as you do, uh, Anthony. I go way back, and when we talk and we get together, we get excited, and we just yeah, we sorry. just can't we can't we don't even sleep when we get together. So so no no no. You you ready? Ah. You know, oh, good. It's, it's, I'm recovering from Guillaume Beret. Yeah. Oh, I apologize yeah. about that. But remember, Connie, the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. That's a quote from the late Carl Sagan. So simply because Grush has not provided physical proof, it does not negate the possibility that the U.S. government or any of its partners within the Five Eyes Alliance might possess undisclosed information or materials of non-human origin. And, and, and by the way, what he calls administrative terrorism, I call obstruction and covert reprimand. Uh, obstruction manifested through what? A mix of dismissiveness, denials of bureaucratic hindrances, which subsequently transitions into punitive action or covert, covert reprimand where retaliation unfolds against these people discreetly in the shadows, uh, which can, can manifest through either intimidation tactics, job termination threats, or even the specter of incarceration. This is what people in the military are facing when they come forward with UFO and UAP incidences or evidence. I mean, heck, we had a ton of radar evidence you know, and not to mention pilots physically encountering the Tic Tac UFO, which is, you know, from the USS Nimitz. This is just, this has opened up a can of worms for the government that they have to face because of brave individuals like Ryan Graves, David Fravor, uh, David Grush, and, and Kevin Day. You, you really got to, you know, feel bad for Kevin because he was telling the truth. And about what he went through, what he experienced, yet he was being dismissed. He fell under the umbrella of that administrative terrorism. But all of a sudden, he's entirely justified, and he deserves an apology from the United States government. I, I was uh, going to have Kevin Day on at one point, and something happened. Yeah. There was some sort of mix-up, and I really would have liked to have had him on. Uh, but he's been on before, obviously. But uh, 
What? Right, right, absolutely. What? Uh, somebody we should listen to. So let me let me ask this. This is a kind of it's still on the same subject, but are it, it was always said that we America were the ones that hide it. It's our government that hides it, and the other countries were pretty open about it. Is that still the way it is, or is that even true? Well, let's think about it from this perspective. There is the issue of national security, right? Mm -hmm. We cannot – one of the most straightforward reasons that UFOs in American airspace could be seen as – they could be seen as potential threats. We don't know what they are. We don't know if it's from a foreign – from a foreign uh, adversary, or is it from outer space? We don't know. But if the United States has managed to possess, retrieve UFO craft, reverse engineer that technology, you had better believe that the work that goes into that is going to be so heavily compartmentalized that yeah. everybody involved within the project is not going to have any idea what they're working on towards, you know, what, what's the end goal that they're working towards? They're just supposed to be focused on what their piece of the pie is. And ultimately, it could result in what? It can result in technology like what we saw over Beaver, Utah uh, in, I think it was 2016, or the Tic Tac UFO. Could that be reverse engineered technology? Um, that gives us a technological advantage if it's something that we worked on, if the government had retrieved unknown technology, whether or not it's from earthly or non-earthly origin, they might want to study it secretly to gain a technological advantage. So, you know, that's what I think on that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Within the UFO, UAP arena, the ultimate prize would be to have retrieved down alien technology, reverse engineer it, and then use it towards our technical advantage. Uh, so it's something that they would keep under wraps. To answer your question, absolutely. It's something that the government would, would keep under wraps. What do you, do you think the other countries would keep it under wraps or would they? Well, let's rush, you know, it's purported that there have been down craft in China, in Russia. Let's say, okay, let, let's look at what David Grush said about 1933 in Magenta, Italy. The funny thing about that incident, if it really did happen, and I wrote about this in the book, I did a full analysis on the magenta, they call it the fascist files. The funny thing about that incident is what they saw purportedly was a bell-shaped UFO. Now, when you think of a bell-shaped UFO, a lot of people initially might think of the Kecksburg UFO incident. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, You know, uh, they saw uh, an object crash in the woods. Witnesses reported seeing the military retrieve the object. Um, But that also might make you think of the Nazi bell, Die Glocke, which was uh, a purported top-secret Nazi scientific technological advice, a secret weapon, uh, which many people believe was uh, for time travel or was a UFO. But the point is, is that in 1933, if they are correct about what they think they found in Magenta, Italy, this predates Roswell, and it could have been that the Nazis, 
uh, were already reverse engineering alien technology, and that's what the Nazi bell was, this Mm -hmm. bell-shaped UFO that they saw, and that David Crush, David Grush, uh, shared. Uh, In an interview with uh, a French newspaper, Le Parisien, David Grush claimed that the U.S. had possession of a bell-like craft, which Benito Mussolini's government had recovered in northern Italy in 1933. So you see, this could be very important. Roberto Pinotti, he's the head of the National Ufological Center in Italy. He's the one that purportedly came across these documents, uh, telegrams essentially, talking about a downed craft that uh, was bell-shaped. It was a UFO. And uh, later it was said that the Americans, uh, after World War II, had retrieved that. Could that be technology that we're working on, reverse engineering, and again, suppressing for, one, national security purposes, two, a uh, technological advantage? But to answer your question, yes, other countries like Germany— Russia, China, Brazil, uh, Mexico, all these countries have had incidences where there have been UFOs uh, purportedly crashed, retrieved by governments, and essentially we don't know if they're being reverse engineered or sold to the highest bidder, God forbid. But, you know, uh, recently there's been a lot of discussion about the Varginia UFO incident which involved a series of events in 1996 in Brazil where they claimed to have seen aliens and Mm -hmm. a UFO. So, again, stuff happens all over the world. That was in the 1990s. Um, Amazing story. I love that story. And and also in in 1994, not too too distant from that, was the aerial school uh, UFO incident, which happened in Zimbabwe, with all the kids that saw yeah. a UFO and aliens, this stuff happens all over the world. All the, the time. In the, in the 90s, we had little flip phones that didn't have cameras. Well, today in the 2020s, we now have high-powered digital phones or, or, or smartphones with digital cameras that they can essentially shoot movies with. Movies have been shot with iPhones because of the outstanding quality of the high level of pixels and whatnot. So we're going to start seeing things unfold from the general public. And and by the way, that's why in my book, I literally wrote a section uh, in the book uh, where I talk about uh, mitigation action that can be taken and intervention, uh, not just for the military and uh, commercial pilots, but also for uh, the general public. You know, I've heard a lot of name dropping going on and a lot of uh, famous incidents going on, and I'm waiting to hear from my boy Lazar. I'm I'm waiting for you to say something about Lazar on on any of this. Well, the thing about Bob Lazar is, is that this is a guy who has stuck to his story, has never wavered, and you know George Knapp uncovered quite a bit about the Lazar. Well, he uncovered everything about the Lazar story in the beginning. Uh, uh, going all the way back to John Lear. Um, I I truly believe that what Lazar is telling us is factual truth. Absolute truth. They they did wipe out the guy's history as, you know, again, this falls under what David Grush was talking about. Mm -hmm. This this administrative terrorism. Um, This is what these guys face 
you know, this is a very real threat to their careers uh, because it poses a risk to, to national security. Uh, when they and, and, and it diminishes the technological advantage when they start talking openly about UFOs and reverse engineer technology, uh, it puts the country at risk, so to speak. But I think that it's very important that now that we've had this congressional hearing with the subcommittee, that we instead of attacking everybody, we start to come together as a community whether it's the UFO community or the military or the general public, through groups like MUFON, um, and start collaborating. We need transparency, and there has to be open data sharing. Uh, there are so many groups out there. Uh, for instance, you have the – uh, well, there's MUFON. There's a scientific coalition, uh, coalition, for, uh, coalition for UIP studies. Uh, Tom DeLong with the To the Stars, the Academy of, the, of Arts and Sciences – uh, even Kevin Day started his group, uh, uh, UAP Expedition. There's so many groups out there that have been compiling data on UFOs, UAPs, extraterrestrial incidents, whatnot. It could be, you know, coalesced into one massive repository where we could put together like a natural language programming model, like a chat GPT, but to, to focus solely on trying to identify and provide answers to the UFO question. And, you know, I even talk about that in my book because being a software engineer and being a database administrator by trade, you know, I often imagine a collaborative, uh, a collaborative platform that coalesces data from the public, the military, the government concerning uh, UIPs and UFOs. And it's something that it's like a dream. But, you know, it's like what Leonard Nimoy said, the miracle is this. The more we share, the more we have. So through, through the testimony, I hope that the government sees that there's a benefit to collaborate and to share uh, this data, but not to, put, not to put the country at risk, but to offer an avenue for study, for whether it be academic purposes and, uh, you know, it, I, think, I just think it's such an important thing. Just, so just the truth, you know, yeah. just just to know the truth, because that's going to tell us so much about who we are and what we are. And that's my big thing is who are we to each other, to the universe, to others that are out there? Who are we? This will all tell us that kind of thing and more and not just that. Excuse, excuse me. And for UFO researchers, enhanced open reporting mechanisms and platforms. That's what we need. Transparency. Sound, transparency and not just those in the military and government, but us regular Janes and Joes, because we see them just as much, if not more, um, that that because we're out there looking for it. We're looking for it. Stay with us. We've got Anthony Sanchez with us talking about his new book, UFO Nexus. More to come here and open lines later on Coast to Coast AM. You're listening to Coast to Coast AM. Hello there. Connie Willis with you tonight. Hope you're enjoying the show and you're enjoying the music. And Tommy 
Tommy D jumping in from time to time. We've got uh, open lines coming up for you. Golly, this is uh, it's coming up soon. This is our last segment before that, and we've asked Anthony to stick around for the first hour so that you can ask some questions to him. Uh, Anthony is our guest tonight. Strange Light Public Strange Lights with put. Make sure you have that S. StrangeLightsPublishing.com is where you want to go, and you'll find both of his books. You know him from UFO Highway. We've spoken spoken to him here on Coast to Coast many a time about that book. Uh, now his new launch is UFO Nexus coming out actually Halloween, but you can go to either strangelightspublishing.com or UFO Nexus, that's N-E-X-U-S.com, and you can uh, go ahead and get ready for a signed copy that he's got for you. And don't forget, you can also find him at ghosthunterapps.com. And all those neat apps that he has out there. So, yeah, you're just, you're just doing it all. I'm telling you, Anthony, you're doing it all. So I want to, here's something I want to ask you. I'm not even sure how to word it, but I'm sure, I'm sure it goes together in some way. Um, how is all the AI going to be affecting the UFO world? Or is it already, I mean, tell what am I asking? I don't even know. I'll tell you. There's two sides to the story with regards to artificial intelligence, right? One, like in the book, I talk about this uh, this collaborative effort. We can imagine the profound the profound value of treating collective information from groups like MUFON, the government, military sources, and people like us, regular people, as training data for an NLP model like ChatGPT that can offer instant access to an interlinked data set comprised of millions of entries triggering billions of data points into neural action, essentially creating a sentient repository that we can use for UFO research. But here's the other side of the tale when it comes to artificial intelligence. And you're probably hearing a lot of people talk about it. <clears throat> you remember in the 1980s, the Terminator movie in Skynet. Remember that? Yes. It scared the heck out of everybody. <laughs> well, it did. Imagine this. We are now creating what many people in the UFO community and research field believe. And really, everybody, everybody believes that. But the advent of, of AI, such as ChatGPT, we're creating sentient entities that are what? <laughs> they're not human, so technically they're alien. We're creating an alien sentience from artificial intelligence, and that's a very scary prospect. And that's but and but that's one of the things along the way that um, we've all talked about um, on radio or not, where movies have played a part in preparing us for the future of what is going to come down, what is going to happen. And these movies were going to prepare us by, you know, like Men in Black, Close right. Encounters, we can go on and on to prepare us because, and and we've all seen these things. I, I read this before in some paperwork that was 
put into my apartment at one point and then taken away at one point. Really weird, odd, crazy stuff. But talking right. about movies because, hey, it hits the mass public and hits and the most amount Hollywood, of people, obviously. Right. And Hollywood can serve as a mechanism for conditioning. Yeah, conditioning. So that we're ready for a, such an event. But here's yeah. where I was headed earlier. <clears throat> we have Elon Musk Starlink, right? The network. Yes. In the low Earth uh, atmosphere. Oh, excuse me, low Earth orbit. Excuse me. Starlink. We have all of these military drones that operate on artificial intelligence. And we have ground-based artificial intelligence systems that are gaining sentience. This is a combination of three things that can go rogue if it, if it goes unchecked. If there are no checks and balances in place for the artificial intelligence that is emerging, something strange could happen. Imagine drones being controlled by a ground-based uh, artificial intelligence sentience that is sending signals up to Starlink that is in turn sending wireless signals to the drones to wreak havoc on the planet. That can be like That's the beginning crazy. of a nightmare scenario such as Skynet. So is it possible? Sure. Is it probably going to happen? Probably not. So, but, it, you know, this, these are the types of things we need to think about because we're in the, we're in the baby phase of AI. It's just now emerging into the public and we got to be careful. Okay. So I'll, I got another question for you. Take a little guzzle of some water. Cause I'm going to, oh, yeah. I'm going to try to being a female here. I'm going to figure out the question as I'm thinking. That's what we do. You know, we're good that way. We hold your attention that way too. So, because you know, we're, we're living in the moment. All right. So you have interviewed tons of people you've experienced things boots on the ground um conversation after conversation with people just uh, thought after thought pondering yourself mm -hmm. tell me what what do you 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 anthony what do you think is actually going on and what do you think it's all about i i do believe that to some extent we are going through a conditioning phase. Uh, whether, whether I mean, who it is exactly, I don't know. But is it the government? And is it a combination of media outlets such as Hollywood, mainstream news organizations? We are definitely being conditioned, conditioned for something. And it kind of makes sense that now for the first time in 50 years, the government is paying attention. People like uh, Fravor, Graves, and Grush, and Kevin Day, their information is finally being paid attention to. It's being taken seriously. And we have so much evidence now, radar evidence, that proves UFOs exist. It cannot be denied. UFOs do exist. Now, do aliens exist? Um, if my yes. late friend uh, and, and, and fellow UFO researcher Ed Grimsley were still alive, he's a Coast to Coast alumni, by the way, if he were still yes. with us today, he would say, yes, definitely, there are aliens. 
And yes. I am one who would likely concur with that sentiment. Yeah. I do believe that there are aliens among us. I do believe that UFOs are very real phenomena. And I think that we need to pay attention to the conditioning process, which is Hollywood, the media, mm -hmm. and information that is being disseminated to the public. Mm-hmm. Yep, really, really notice those films along the way that are just in our heads forever. So, okay, so I asked you that. Now, I'm going to go a little deeper with it because <laughs> you have concurred. Yep, you believe aliens are among us. What do you think it's, that they're here for? What do you think it's all about? Who are we to them? Mm -hmm. You know, so I remember, <laughs> in two, I remember in 2011, I was in Taos, New Mexico uh, at Janet Saylor's uh, ASPE Symposium. That is the uh, Alliance Studying Paranormal Events or Experiences, excuse me. And I met up with Travis Walton there and I had a conversation with him. And it was very interesting that Travis... Being, having been abducted by aliens right there in Snowflake, Arizona, a place I've been to, by the way, um, that's just a skip, jump, and a hop away from Dulce, New Mexico, where purportedly there are great aliens working alongside facets of the military-industrial complex and the government, the U.S. government or the military. So I think I think that... If you look at the, the, the story that was told to me about Dulcie from this Colonel X, these aliens have been a part of human history going back thousands of years, thousands of years back to the cradle of civilization between the Euphrates and the Tigris River. It all relates back to the Anunnaki and the Ajiji. Everything is, inter, everything is interconnected. There's this co-mingling of religions and myths and lore that goes back thousands and thousands of years. So it is potential, it is very potential that there is an alien presence here that's been here for a long time, and that we're also being visited by new extraterrestrial entities. I don't have the answers, but I am seeking them. I'm mm -hmm. trying to delve into the unknown. I, I have theories. Yes. And, uh, one of one of my theories is that this planet has been inhabited by aliens for hundreds of thousands of years, and it has a lot to do with the emergence of humanity's uh, exponential leap in technology. I mean, literally, Connie, one hundred years ago, where were we as as a, as a global society, humanity? Where were we just a hundred years ago? We I think we had horses and carriages, horses, right? Buggies. Yeah, the buggies, and there was no technology. Yeah. Yep. If you look at the entire timeline of humanity or the timeline of the Earth, which is 4 billion years old, and if you look at the timeline of humanity, and if we go back to the mitochondrial Eve theory, which says we just came out of Africa 250 to 300,000 years ago upright, and we began to spread across the planet, and it was the emergence of, of us as a species, right? You know, where we're intelligent and we're talking and we're finally able to do stuff. 
This past 100 years is but a micro millisecond, a blip in that timeline. Mm-hmm. Yes, we've gone from horse buggies and no technology, you know, and you, you, you cannot count the Industrial Revolution as part of that leap to where we are now with integrated circuits, artificial intelligence, fiber optic technology, the ability to travel in space. It's just insane how quickly humanity has jumped from 100 years ago through to today. I mean, this is why I'm trying to scrutinize all of this UFO, UAP information in the book. I'm trying to, I'm even looking into the interstellar object Oumuamua, which Avi Loeb, a Harvard professor, says was an alien craft, potentially. And he just found these spherules in the ocean, which kind of proves some of his theories. Um, we really need to look into the tic-tac-toe UFO enigma. We've got to go back to Roswell. Was this Magenta Italy in 1933 event a real occurrence? All of it needs to be studied because everything probably will be connected back to the fact that there has always been an alien presence here on Earth. Maybe it's already been studied. Mm-hmm. That's why it's oh, kept quiet. Why do, why do you think it's such a secret, though? Why do you think they have to just, shh, don't say anything? It goes back to technological advantage and national security. We are in a competition with countries across the globe, uh, both friendly countries and non-friendly countries. It is a healthy, robust competition of who can have the best technology, who can develop their society quicker than the others. And all of it has to do with, you know, technology. Technology is the basis for everything now. We live in a modern technological society. But why can't we think a little higher and a little bigger and say, you know what? If we all come together on this, we talk about what we know, we we become transparent to all, everyone about what's what we know and what is happening, and then we all become one as humans and earthlings, and we're prepared for what we may need to be prepared for, whether it's friendship or not with what's outside of here, or at least what's here and, and non-human? Well, there are many factors. Uh, I, I like to think about the, I like to think about of what I call the Star Trek utopia, where the entire planet has done away with monetary systems and we work for the benefit of humanity. Everybody can do what they want to do so long as it helps the others. And then we, uh, we eventually evolve into this highly technological, highly moral society that's traveling the stars and whatnot, right? But how can we get to that point when we live in a very divided world? I mean, there's a lot of tribalism going on. In the United States, we have the left versus the right. And you have these nationalist movements emerging all across the globe, pitting people against each other. Until we can learn to establish some type of a quorum amongst one another peacefully, we're not going to make that technological and moral leap towards a Star Trek type of of utopia. Now, see, I think we'll take that leap immediately as soon as transparency is given because it'll be a must. And if they give it that quickly, it'll probably be because they've been forced to do it. But I think it's also the aliens that keep it quiet. 
Well, here's another thing, too. Remember, Ronald Reagan said if we were faced with an alien threat, mm-hmm. the entire planet would have to come together. Yes. So Agreed. So, right. So that puts us in a position where, you know, do we have to face some sort of evil existential alien threat in order for us to put all our differences aside and finally come together? I hope that that's not the case. I would like to see it just happen organically through our humanity that we realize, hey, going to war with one another and all this other stuff, it's not good for us. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other discussion. But uh, Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I wish it would happen organically like that. But, uh, but the way they're taking it, it looks like, no, they're going to wait till the last second. But then again, could be all up to the aliens because they can turn us off and on. Hey, we've got open lines coming up for us next. Anthony's going to stick around. Stay with us. You're listening to Coast to Coast AM.